At least two collectors had their tokens stolen on Nifty Gateway, one of the growing number of online marketplaces where collectible tokens, commonly known as NFTs, are created, bought, and sold. It's a common story in the world of cryptocurrency, one nearly as old as Bitcoin itself, but in this new world of NFTs, or non-fungible tokens as they're called, the story may sound the same, but it's not. I'm Adam B. Levine, Coindesk's Managing Editor of Podcasts, and on this special Coindesk Reports, we're digging into those differences, what can or should be done when NFTs are stolen, and what the industry must avoid at all costs. To learn more, I spoke with CEOs from around the NFT space for hot takes and cool insight. Marguerite de Corcel is one of the earliest token innovators. We got into trouble together with this stuff way back in 2014. She's the CEO of Neon District, an NFT-powered game out now in Alpha, and an old friend from the world of blockchain. Marguerite, welcome to Coindesk Reports. Hey, Adam. So the setup, a bank heist, but instead of stealing bags of cash, they're after artwork this time. And it's got me thinking because although bank heists, whether you're stealing you know, dollars or whether you're stealing art are still bank heists, well, there's some differences in terms of how those sorts of things work, especially once we get into the world of tokens. The story today is about this one kind of theft that happened for at least two collectors. And as far as we can tell, the story is not that unique. Their uh, passwords were compromised. They didn't have second factor authentication on. And so once someone was able to get into their account, well, they were able to basically, you know, act like they owned their account because they had owner level access. The interesting part to me is kind of when you pull back from that. So many of the things about uh, the way that we think about sort of, you know, exchange heists and things like that in the world of Bitcoin come from the idea that Bitcoin or so many of the other tokens that are out there are fungible cryptocurrency, which is to say each one is the same, just like a dollar bill in your wallet and the dollar bill in my wallet might have a different serial number, but it's the same and equivalent in value. If I had a piece of art in my wallet and you had a piece of art in your wallet, those things aren't necessarily the same. Each one is unique. And in this world of tokens, we can now kind of look at these things and say, aha, each one of these things is unique. So kind of drawing back to the, the question I want to start with here, Marguerite, right now we're treating NFTs like they are any other cryptocurrency, which is to say that if something is stolen from you, then that's really unfortunate for you, but there's nothing anyone can do because these things are fully decentralized. The question to you, should these things be fully decentralized in a way that makes it so that people can't recover their artwork if it's stolen? A lot of people may not know this, but a lot of components of NFTs currently today are not decentralized. There's a few that are very focused on putting everything on chain, the art, the metadata, all aspects of the NFTs. But currently, a lot of the metadata is mutable. It can be updated or changed on a lot of the current marketplaces. What can a centralized entity do with the mutable information once there's been some obvious malfeasance? Currently, these centralized entities, the marketplaces, they would need either some sort of registry about different assets when they are created and who the original creator is and some sort of way to verify in a decentralized fashion that that's true. Alternatively, is there a function like some sort of kill switch you could put into an NFT that's produced? But again, you would need all of the minting process then by these marketplaces to include that, incorporate that into the NFT data itself. And would they do that? I'm not sure. You could always have someone produce NFTs, you know, on their own without that sort of kill switch too in the contract. We are getting to a place of how deeply can this become autonomous? Because currently it does require a lot of human hours, I suppose. Let's assume we have the manpower and we decide something has happened. What kind of process would help in this situation? You could have a, something that triggers an effect where an NFT is no longer transferable and locked into an account, essentially. I just don't see how that can become 
completely decentralized. I feel like someone still has to be calling the shots. Like some registration is being managed by somebody. I don't know, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. I know I've been, this is what, this is what I've been kind of grappling with is like the ability to do it is there. And like, you could do it in ways that would be not totally centralized, but like definitely central elements. And even like assume for a second that if more than a thousand people rep or, you know, ETH representing more than, you know, a certain number of like money, like if it commits itself to this, then you can get a freeze put on it. And if the network later disagrees, then that, you know, like you could have like a staking kind of thing that happens, but then at the same time, then that means that you introduce all this new game theory to the blockchain, right? Where it's like, oh, well now if we only, you know, like on crypto Twitter, if we get a big enough group of people people, we can put a hold on that guy who we hates uh, NFTs and say that they're stolen or something like that, right? It's possible to do. And I feel like it would be a really desirable uh, feature to go into these protocols. And honestly, I don't think that marketplaces would fight this. I think they would be happy about this because it would make it not their problem. And it would give them some political cover to move away from a little bit of the decentralization that people think that they have while adding this really interesting kind of feature set. But yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Like, I can't decide if I actually am in favor of this or not it would get pretty complicated. I, I think like once it's stolen, I kind of think it's fair game for it to be traded because the original can't be remade and then it hurts the original artist. Is it better to kibosh it for everybody or is it better to, you know, like leave the ethos of the thing intact, even if it means that the ne'er-do-well winds up profiting from it? I think that's kind of the quandary here, right? It's because like you don't want the guy who cheated to win. But on the other hand, you don't want to completely break the game just because somebody cheated, right? Moving forward. I think that's kind of the quandary we're looking at. Well, and it becomes a part of the story of the asset, too. Yeah. yeah so I think it's kind of fair game if it gets stolen because it's kind of like a lesson to... We need to be vigilant about where we're keeping our funds and holding them, just like with Mt. Gox. You know, we all learned from that. Well, a lot of us learned in the space that this can happen. So I never keep my money on centralized exchanges. And you have to be careful. And these are lessons that are going to stay with us uh, with these decentralized assets. Good advice for us all. Meet Interpop, a super team redefining the future of NFTs and fandom. From comics and trading card games to digital collectibles and everything in between, they are building the architecture of an entirely new landscape of fandom using technology built on the Tezos blockchain to drive their vision. Visit hellointerpop.io to learn more. That's hellointerpop.io to learn more. Now we're joined by William Quickly, co-founder of Wax, the first purpose-built NFT blockchain. William, how are you? I'm doing well, Adam. Good to see you. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time today. So what happens when something actually is stolen in the world of NFTs? I'll give you one example in particular. You're an artist and you've got a bunch of NFTs. Maybe you haven't sold them yet, but they exist in your wallet. You're about to sell them and somebody hacks your account. Well, then the question would be, where are the image files? Where are the media files tied to that particular NFT stored? Now, if they're stored on your Google Cloud Drive, you could, if you were the artist, go into that Cloud Drive and simply remove the images. You can see why, though, that's not really a very pleasant idea if you are a, a regular person, because if you're the owner of an NFT and somebody can immediately disable your access to see that image, on the one hand, it might be great if it got stolen. On the other hand, what if you're the legitimate owner and somebody does that? 
What if you're a legitimate owner and somebody claims it was stolen and suddenly your access to your image is denied? This is why personally, I don't think that's the right solution and why you know, at WAX, all of our NFTs are distributed through the global interplanetary file system, which is known for the shorthand IPFS, so that no one can ever seize your, your artwork and uh, disable it or deny you access to it. But if Nifty Gateway is hosting those images, and there was a theft on the Nifty Gateway platform, if Nifty Gateway is hosting, I don't know, but I don't believe they storm an IPFS. They probably storm on one of their Amazon web servers. They could go and grab that image. But you can imagine before they do that, just like a court, you go to court and says, that's my property. And somebody else says, no, it's mine. A court's got to look at the records and the title and figure it all out. Does Nifty want to be in the business of trying to ascertain whether someone had their account stolen or whether they actually did a side deal and sold it. And now they're claiming it was stolen just to get it back. In my business of virtual items and video game virtual items, I can tell you this happens all the time. Accounts get taken over. You don't know if they really got stolen or if somebody maybe has buyer's remorse because they bought an expensive item and they don't want it. So they claim somebody hacked my account, used my credit card to buy this virtual item. I want a refund because I didn't buy it. Well, if it was all conducted through your account, then most video game companies say your password was compromised. You're going to take the blame because it's too hard to ascertain the real facts. I believe Nifty wrote that none of those accounts had two-factor authentication enabled, which shows you right there they weren't security conscious. And one of them had $150,000 worth of NFTs. I mean, if you have that much of NFTs, just like a bank account, you should two-factor it. How do you see things evolving for platforms that are currently minting NFTs? The criminals who go after virtual item commerce are the best in the world at figuring out how to get your credentials and then how to quickly steal your items, sell them, and they're gone forever. So all of these companies like Nifty and OpenSea and others who have never been in this game before, they're gonna learn the hard way. I suspect Flow is as well. In fact, I suspect Flow has already had massive credit card fraud, massive. There is a reason why they don't allow but a tiny percentage of people to withdraw funds. Why do you think that's the case? Because they learned that a massive percentage of their trading volume was fraud, was stolen credit cards on new accounts. They haven't talked about it, but I assume that is the case because that's what I experienced for 20 years, running marketplaces for virtual items. You can't just let the bad guys set up accounts, immediately buy $10,000 worth of goods on a credit card and then sell them and then withdraw the funds. That's a recipe for you losing your business. So this theft and our interviews with Marguerite and William occurred more than two weeks ago at this point. And in that time, we've had some additional developments. First, at least some of the stolen NFTs were recovered. As our guest said, once something is gone, at least the way the tech works today, it's gone. So how did they get them back? It turns out that although the NFTs were transferred to other users' accounts, some of them weren't actually removed from the marketplaces, which means that the thieves stole them, but the marketplace still controlled them. It's an example of how centralization has both upsides and downsides. You're exposed to counterparty risk if you keep tokens on a platform that fails or has a big security breach, but none of that happened this time. But that power can also be used in situations like this to literally steal back the stolen goods on behalf of the true owner. That won't work most of the time, 
especially as stories like this get more publicized, but it worked this time, and that's worth recognizing. The other late-breaking development was a response from Alex, one of the co-founders of Nifty Gateway, who had a slightly different take on what we just heard from our guests. I asked him three questions about making NFTs freezable at a smart contract level for tokens that are obviously stolen. First, I asked, is it possible? Second, how would or could it work? And third, should we do it? To the first question, Alex said, quote, any smart contract logic is possible. The question is, who would trigger those? If we can come up with a set of rules that define which community members can do that and on what conditions, then it can be done. When I asked him how it would work, he said, quote, we're considering using our governance token to implement a moderation system like that. And finally, whether or not we should do it, the co-founder of Nifty Gateway said, quote, It feels like the space is moving towards a system like that, but you can always mint NFTs without a moderation on-chain module, and marketplaces would need to understand what their position on items like that would be. So there you have it. In the land of NFTs, things are still in flux. That's true about blockchain technology generally, but with all the attention the blockchain collectibles movement, now broadly referred to as NFTs, has arguably the most unknowns. That's both exciting and a little scary, but nobody said world-changing technology was going to be easy. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Coindesk Reports. This was a joint production between myself and Rob Mitchell, my deputy editor. We'd love to hear what you think, and you can send us an email at podcast at coindesk.com. I'm Adam B. Levine, managing editor of podcasts here at Coindesk, and until next time, keep the conversation going.